All right, there was a little bit of audio issue with this particular episode. So you may hear a couple little pops and you may hear some static and stuff like that. So just wanted to give you this quick disclaimer to let you know there may be a few little audio issues with this particular episode, but it was so good that I would not not publish this. So I did want to make sure that you guys are prepared for that because you will hear a little bit of it. It's not too bad, but I didn't want to inform you about it. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Hey everyone, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Space Between Podcast, getting you from where you are to where you want to be. And that can cover the gamut of things, whether that be in business, whether that be in life, relationships. And I think it's important to make sure that you're you're being a well-rounded person, that you address everything that you have to deal with. And if you guys weren't aware, October was um, Bullying Prevention Month, Bullying Awareness Month. And even though that was back in October and I very rarely date the podcast, this is December, well, we're going into December. Um, this particular subject is not something that is just a one month awareness thing. And I know when I say bullying, I'm going to get that reaction where somebody's going to look up and like, oh God, here we go. People just need to toughen up. Uh, you know, people are too sensitive nowadays. But I don't think that that's actually it, because in dealing with the things that you deal with on a daily basis, some things don't even come across necessarily as bullying, but they are. And it's not that you're the victim, but being able to recognize when someone is putting you in a position of having power over you in a way that's not right, in a way that's not healthy and in ways that can affect you where you don't know that they're affecting you. Um, it could be that, you know, you're getting the stuff at work and then when you leave, you come home and you're a little snappy or, you know, you're de-stressing with whatever it is you de-stress with or you get into unhealthy habits to compensate for the, the stresses that you're experiencing at work or in your, just your day to day, whether it be work, school or whatever. Those things are important. And in order for you to get to a healthy place, I think we have to talk about the bullying, which is why uh, I actually have Dr. Mildred Payton on. Uh, she is amazing. She has her PhD in human and social services. She's got a, a bachelor's degree, social work and psychology, and a master's in counseling and psychology. Uh, she's got all the education. And on top of that, she's written two books. Um, she's a bullying survivor expert. We're going to talk about each one of the books a little bit as we get into the show. And she, she, she's a survivor. She's been through this in the workplace. She's dealt with it with both of her daughters. And she's got some amazing stories to tell and a really interesting background. And she also talks about this in the workplace with corporations. So with, without any further introduction, uh, Dr. Payton, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, no, no, no worries. This is, this, I think this is going to be interesting because... I mean, all too often you're, you're getting bullied and you don't realize it. Yes. So, yes. so like, tell me, tell me a little bit about like in any in introduction, first off, I want to know how did this become 
something that you were interested in to begin with? Yeah, uh, the the topic of bullying has, I've always been fascinated with this topic since way back 2002, uh, doing my internships with uh, young girls in middle school. And um, I just, I've always been intrigued by this topic because I realized that it's just part of human behavior is a part of um, a situation that we all go through in life where we're being uh, mistreated by someone. And it's very common, but even though it's common, it doesn't make it okay. So um, so with my experience back then, uh, leading up to now, I recently, 2015, did my research study on uh, bullying. I wanted to speak with parents whose children have experienced it and how that looked like for them in their home. Because most times we hear a lot about um, the, the perpetrator or the bully, and we also touch on uh, what the what the victim is going through. But this time I wanted to actually get a, a good sense of not only what the victim is going through, but what it's like for the parents who are advocating for their children. Because as you mentioned, I'm I'm also a parent and it's very important for me to know how to protect my children, especially in a topic that's that's just so widespread right now. So I wanted to take the extra step to just go in further and just really explore that area and talk to parents and see what they went through as they tried to advocate for their children's uh, well-being and safety. So that that was pretty much um, my, my recent uh, research I did. Mm-hmm. And following that, I was just inspired just based on the information that I gathered it was just so troubling. I said, you know what? I got to continue this. I can't just stop here just because I'm done with this research. I have to do something. I have to help these parents or um, just anyone who's going through this, not knowing I was going to experience it later on with my own children. Right. Uh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I wrote my children's book. Yeah. I, I wrote my two children's book, uh, which again, that, that was just an inspiration from my research study. Right now. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, so you said back in 2002, you, you did an internship with middle schoolers. What led to that internship? My social work major was uh, affiliated with that. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I worked with, the, with, with a group of girls who were being bullied and also those who were carrying out the bullying behavior. So we pretty much just pretty much facilitated a a group where we got to talk about what bullying was, was like, and, you know, what leads to bullying and how to address it and how to stay away from those who are uh, behaving a certain way that's not safe to others. So it was really interesting to just really work with these girls, guide them through it. If they actually face, face with the issue and just have open conversation and just, uh, remind them of how to be respectful to others and also to themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. So your social work major led to that. I'm, I'm assuming it was like your practicum stuff like that you had to do. What, what, yeah. le- what led you into social work? I'm just a very compassionate person. I love helping uh, those and just being an inspiration to, you know, people who are basically at a low point. I just have a, a heart for just public service in, in general, just just being a, a you know a resource or a helping hand to those who are again in vulnerable situations and can just need a little bit of guidance and support. Right now, so so why do you like helping people that that are at a low point? Because it it makes me feel good. Number one, that I can be a source of hope to someone else. 
And it's just something that just comes natural to me. I'm just a very caring and compassionate person. And I just can't see someone who is in some sort of trouble. And if I have the, the knowledge and the skills to help them, I just feel very comfortable going forward and doing so. I'm just very caring. And I just just care about the well-being of others. Right. When, when do you think the first time that was that you you had an experience where you actually were able to reach out and help somebody? Oh, my gosh. I, I really realized this when I was, let's say, in middle school, probably even elementary school. I would see my classmates getting teased. And it's like it just didn't make sense to me because I, I get along with everybody. I don't care what your personality is. I mean, I can hear rumors about, oh, this person is this, or don't talk to them about, you know, they're a troublemaker, whatever the case is. I like to kind of build a relationship myself with that individual and not go off of what other people are saying. So when I, when I have a relationship with a classmate or a friend, and then I turn around, I see them being mistreated. It's really, it's really puzzling. And I, and I just, you know, tend to just want to get to know them more. And I see people's strength more than their weakness. So in elementary school and middle school, that's when I sort of realized, like, oh, wow, I really like to speak up and stand up for the underdog. And that's how I really started uh, build some of my relationship in, in, in school was just basically standing up for someone who's being taken advantage of, including myself. <laughs> right. Did you have an experience uh, way back way back when when you were getting bullied and kind of picked on? bullied. And I think a lot of us go through bullying at some point in our life. It's just, it's just part of our social interaction, unfortunately. So yeah, I did experience bullying. Um, I was, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I was born in West Africa and I came here at the age of seven years, seven and a half years old. And so I had a slight accent, even though we were taught English it's a British colonized country, but I still had a slight accent. And so just transitioning into this country at that age, I was picked on. If it wasn't for my skin complexion, it was my slight accent. But luckily, I never really saw myself as a victim because I stood up for myself. You know, I would say something, tell a counselor, tell a teacher, and I just never stayed silent. I never believed in staying silent because I believe in how, you know, it's important how we treat each other. So I had to show people like, hey, you're not going to talk to me any kind of old way. So I stood up for myself and I also did that for other people. So, uh, you know, I I went through bullying, but I, again, I knew that I was not supposed to be treated a certain way and I stood up for myself. And that's what I, that's what I tried to show other people, teach other people to do. Right. No, I think that that's something that probably resonates through everything that you're doing now is never staying silent. I think that's uh, something that is hugely important. And it's, it's great that you realize that when you're a little kid that, you know, you don't have to stay silent. And I think that's the the thing that makes it worse. All right. You know, right. When, you're, when you're a teenager, even going into adulthood is that you're silent about it. You're not, you're not talking to anyone about what's happening and you're holding it all in. So bringing, bringing this forward, you know, up, up to today, some of the stuff that you're doing, you're, uh, you're speaking at schools and organizations. What's some of the kind of things that people are running into um, where they have to try to identify what the behavior is and, and how do you cope with it? A lot of times when people are trying to identify with it, they, they struggle. They think it's maybe they're being too much. Maybe they're misidentifying what's going on, especially, um, for with my personal experience and according to my research, 
a lot of times uh, schools tend to want to identify bullying as just pure conflict. And in actuality, it's more than pure conflict because when we're talking about pure conflict, it's more so of a mutual discourse that's going on. But bullying is just one when one person is overpowering the other person and have more of an, more of an advantage over the, the other individual. So at times it's like there's this blurred line or vision where we have to really be clear and identify the behavior for what it is and not try to downplay it. And that's the issue I see a lot. And it to me, what I'm hearing from students when I talk to them or parents is that it's almost as if they were being told, you know, it's okay, it's going to go away, or don't worry about it. Uh, it's it's not bullying when in fact it really is. And 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 if it's not bullying, if we don't address these behaviors, these negative behaviors uh, that's going on, that you're saying it's not bullying, then it's eventually going to lead to bullying. It's going to lead to something bigger. So. I'm always there to remind parents in particular and students that, you know, don't hesitate to speak up. If something doesn't feel right, if it's going on, if it's happening uh, continuously and it's becoming a pattern and you don't feel comfortable and it's 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 hurting you in some kind of way, then you have to continue to speak up because it has to be addressed. It has to stop. And, you know, someone has to take you seriously. So never shy away from telling a teacher, no matter how many times you, you have to report it, continue to talk about it, continue to, to reach out because it has to get addressed at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. How do you deal with the stigma of because you were victimized that you're not actually a victim? You, you're, you're not actually a victim in a sense that if you remain in the situation and you continue to allow it to happen, then yes, you, I, I see it as you're not a victim, you're, you're an overcomer. But when you bring, you're not using your voice and you're not recognizing your own worth, then you're allowing that individual to make you a victim. Um, and, but it still shouldn't be a stigma if you are, um, if you're considered a, a victim, because it's, it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that someone else chooses to treat you a certain way, and especially in a very condescending way. It's not your fault. It's just that you just have to recognize that you don't want to remain a victim. You want to have power over yourself and how you're being treated so that you don't have to remain in that category of being a, a victim. But, if, but being a victim should not be a stigma at all. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think we, we kids, especially, uh, I mean, I have two daughters, you have two daughters. Uh, mine are older. Um, my oldest is 23. My youngest is 17 now. Um, and they've all both dealt with really bad issues with, um, with bullying and stuff like that in school. My, my oldest more particularly just in grade school and stuff like that, just a bunch of horrible little girls that weren't that horrible, but I just don't think that they were very well checked. And it was right when some of the social networks were becoming really popular. Um, and I think that added to it because we were talking about social media. And although, you know, being in digital, being a digital marketer, I don't think that social media is bad. But I think the fact that kids can't or they're always connected is something that tends to be an issue. How do you find separation in that? And, and still allow the kid to not feel like they're being punished by taking their phones away or limiting their their social media interactions and stuff like that. What I 
the way we balance that with our children is we, first of all, they don't have social media at all right now because they're still pretty young and we want to keep it that way for a while. But what I, what we try to, to instill in them is that when you are online, you have to know um, how to recognize, you know, bad behaviors or something that's not right. You can't, there's certain, uh, there's certain signs that you must be aware of. You, there are behaviors that you just cannot accept or be part of or, or online or even in person. There, it's like guidelines that we have to now tell, you know, teach our children that uh, what's acceptable, what's what's to look out for if you recognize uh, certain behaviors, certain certain um, languages being used. So it's like a whole nother culture on on the cyber part, and you know. Unfortunately, it's, it's so hard for the kids to unplug because a lot of with our, our kids, some of their homework assignments now are online and they have to pull up their, their, their assignments. So it's like they're, you know, naturally they, they have to go online. But again, we, we have to always remind them, you know, you have to take a break. You can't always be online, uh, whether it's playing games, because a lot of bullying also happens with these um, online video games. Mm-hmm. So we. We constantly monitor what's going on. Did anyone say anything to you? Do you do you sense anything awkward or this making you uncomfortable? So we always have an open line of communication, even when they are online, just touching, touching base and checking in with them and just understanding that, you know, reminding them constantly of what's appropriate behavior and what's not. So because you can't you can't tell them not to uh, be online because you they need it. Uh, again, it's a tool that the schools are using now. So it's like if they're going to be online, you just have to constantly remind them and monitor them of you know appropriate behaviors and, and what's not appropriate and, and when to report and let your parents know and just keep an open line of communication. Right. Yeah. You know, when my daughter's high school, they're, um, all the kids use iPads now. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no way that you can prevent them from being able to communicate with each other. Um it's, it's interesting. The school is even talking about going to Chromebooks now because all of the apps that are um, on the iPads are like these, the kids can still install them, even though they use monitoring software and they block certain apps and they can prevent online access. They're like, they still find ways to communicate and they get into these little groups and it, you know, I was talking to one of the administrators about it and they can't seem to understand how is it that if you're, if you're feel like you're not living up to this group or you feel like you're being picked on or you're wanting to be included, but this group's not including you just don't seek the group out. But I think as just as people, we crave certain social interaction. And when we feel like we're missing out, we tend to gravitate towards the groups that probably aren't the best for us. Right. Right. And, and, and that's, that's a problem. You know, we, we all, like you said, we all want to feel that connection. That's that sense of belonging. And, um, and sometimes we, you know, by any means necessary, just to fill that, just to fill that, uh, to fill that void, you want to belong. So you would, you will gravitate to wherever you can get that to, to fill that fulfillment. And unfortunately, sometimes, like you said, it's, it's, it's a negative environment, it's negative attention. And we have to be very uh, intentional in letting our children know how to select uh, good, good uh, friendships and, and, you know, just stay away from the ones that it's not going to basically help us or make us grow in any, uh, uh, you know, positive way. And that's pretty much one of the reasons why my oldest daughter was bullied in the fourth grade. She's in the sixth grade now. 
is because she was able to identify that this individual that she thought was her friend doesn't have certain characteristics that was going to help her. In fact, she was probably going to end up being um, uh, following her path, doing the wrong thing. And so she was able to really realize, like, wait a minute, these expect these be these behaviors I'm seeing, it's not what my parents expect of me, or it's not what I was taught, or whatever have you. I don't feel comfortable with it. So if I continue to be friends with this girl, I'm going to be in trouble. So mm-hmm. once she realized that, she tried to separate herself from the from the young girl and. That's when the problem started. She started intimidating her, spreading rumors, um, talking about her clothes, just, yep. you know, um, and it just started building. And she was just she was telling me about it. And so we uh, I kept you know listening, trying to make sure it wasn't something that she can easily work out between her and a girl. So I knew when to step in and take it seriously, because no matter what she was trying to do, uh, the girl just kept you know, um, persistent and just coming across her very aggressively to the point where she eventually did, uh, the young girl hit her with a, a bowling ball during recess. I mean, oh, during the class. Yeah. She, she threw the bowling ball at her and it hit her in her lower back. So that's why I, I said, wait a minute, you know, I, I've been telling you all the meaning the, the school that, you know, these two shouldn't be near each other. They need to be monitored. This is a problem. But now it's getting really physical. So, you know, it's it, it, it's it was very clear that this was a very bad behavior, bad uh, relationship. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, once it gets to physical, you know, actual assault and some people are like, oh, well, you know, oh, they got into a little pushing match. But you never know how things are going to escalate. And that's a that is crazy that that even happened. Um now, was this the daughter? Because I remember he, I listened to another interview that you were doing, and one of your daughters is actually f- experiencing physical symptoms from the stress that she was under. Yes, this is the same daughter, and that was part of it. She and uh, unfortunately, it's not only was that going on, but a group of boys uh, in her class were being very inappropriate um, to her, and, and she just she was really uncomfortable. So I brought it to the teacher's attention, and you know, the teacher was very, very um, diligent about looking into it and making sure that it stopped. But what really, what, what really uh, got to me was her pediatrician. And uh, the child, child cardiologist uh, recognized clearly that, you know, it was more going on beyond these physical symptoms that she was experiencing. Mm-hmm. But it was a combination of the young girl and the boys and just putting her in a very compromising situation where she was not used to at all. She was very friendly, warm and just, you know, happy go lucky. And she just was not used to the, that 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 type of attacks and, 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 and language. And, and just it, it was just very overwhelming for her and it made her feel very uncomfortable and unsafe. Right. You know, I, um, I've run into this just in the, in the workplace and the, as, as adults, uh, you know, you'll talk to people every day and it's like, you know, you'll see in, in very toxic work environments, nobody seems healthy. And not from a, like a, a mental standpoint, but everybody seems to have some little weird physical issue in, in very stressful, toxic environments where, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't feel well today or, you know, I've got a headache or you can just tell by how unhealthy people seem that the environment is just a horrible environment. I've been in a, you know, in the IT industry for a long time. And I realized that 
after just observing the environment says, wow, nobody's healthy here. Everybody's stressed. Everybody's, you know, hates what they're doing and mm-hmm. they feel like they can't do anything else. So yeah. when you start talking about the workplace and dealing with, I guess, some of it is acceptance, but I think when you're, depending on who you are and what happens, we're talking about this, if you uh, if you speak up, if you speak out, if you talk about your ideas and your ideas don't necessarily align with your bosses or maybe your boss's boss, uh, that can have a negative impact on you from a, not because you shouldn't have standpoint, but from the standpoint of the person who I guess you're, feels like they're being challenged, how they take it and then their reactions to it. Yes, that's, that's very true. Um, unfortunately, you know, I spent years at a place where it was considered a toxic work environment. And to my understanding, it still is, you know, it, it didn't feel like you really belonged. Um, only a selected few, I, I guess, based on who they liked or whatnot, but it was just, um, you know, you, you, it, it just seemed like you, you didn't belong and you just, if you, if you were lucky enough that they liked you, then yes, you, you may be happy there or you may, uh, eventually, uh, move up and really use your skills to, to, to your maximum uh, potential. But if not, then it's like, you were just pretty much like isolated, you know, um, for me in particular, I, my experience was more so, uh, just questioning, you know, wanted to get a sense of, you know, what was going on in terms of promotional opportunities. You know, I consider myself a very hardworking individual and I take pride in what I do. Uh, again, I got into the field of human services because I'm a compassionate person. I love helping and, 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 and serving others. So when I started sensing that there was no more room for me to grow, no matter how hard I work, no matter what degrees I have, no matter how involved I was in the organization, when I started realizing that all of that didn't seem to matter, I just had to step back and, and question, well, you know, where am I going wrong? What can I do better? And because I challenged and I asked, let's say, human resources or administrator at the time, you know, because I asked those questions for my well-being, it's like, I, I dare you ask that question. Who are you to question our process or, you know, our, our decision? And I just, it wasn't just happening to me. It, it was happening to a lot of people. If you questioned anything or have an input in something and, you know, they didn't fit, they didn't like it, then you were, you were targeted, you were blackballed, you were retaliated against, and um, you were just, you were isolated. I know people who basically were forced out the door. They, they retired because they got tired of, of the politics. They got tired of the, the games and just, the, just being degraded. And so once I realized that, that this is what's going on, I just said, you know what, I can't, not only did I speak up about it, um, but I just realized that I can't be in an environment that doesn't value me, doesn't appreciate me, and and also try to um, basically just, just rob me of my joy or just discredit everything about me. And so I just, it was... It was very, it was very hard once I came to terms with what was going on. It was very, really, um, it was hard to to 
to really accept that, wow, this, this is, this is where I find myself in, especially in the end, which was basically the final push for me where I had to experience, um, a manager who had this outrage and just, just outbursts. And he, he was just making threats prior to the outburst. He was making threats during the meetings, you know, just pounding on his fist. If you guys don't do this, I'm going to write you up. This is going to happen. It was just so aggressive. Yeah. He was stand up in the middle of meetings and he would just make these demands and these threats and, 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 and just, and then storm out. So weeks prior to this, this last outburst and with my name being just thrown out there in the middle of his rage, which was really humiliating, he was, this is what he was doing. He was hovering over people's shoulders, going to their desk, um, just excessive scrutiny, no type of just uh, professionalism whatsoever. All that went out the window. It was a lot of intimidating going on, using his six foot or so stature, just mm-hmm. hovering over people and just... You know, he wanted the work to get done, but his approach was so intimidating. It was so, it was so demanding. And so it was, it was just really threatening. And you were thinking, wait a minute, this is the place I'm working at. I can't come into this. (laughs) How do you expect me to function? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think when you run into situations like that, um, and I've, I've heard this actually from quite a few women, um, a lot of it has to do with how you came in and where you are currently. So, you know, when you came into this organization, you had a bachelor's degree, but throughout your progression, you ended up with a doctorate. And I think sometimes when people see you moving forward, they feel like they're being, that they're being held back, even if they are a leader or because you have either more education or you have something else going on that they don't have going on in, in your life. That is that may be outside of work that fulfills you and they don't like it or they see your success in one area of your life and they feel like, well, I'm not making that progression. Have you seen that? Do you think that that have maybe had something to do with it? I I do think you hit it right on the nail. I, um, what was clear to me was right before I left, I realized that I've done so much and I had to take a minute to one one evening before I left. I said, "Wait a minute! Oh my gosh, I've been doing I've been doing so much that I didn't really take the time to really assess and just take inventory of everything that I've done." And when I realized it, I said, "Oh my gosh, you know, I've really just like surpassed a lot of people here." And I look back and say, "Well, maybe that's what it was. Maybe maybe I I was just too much of a go getter, and it didn't really settle with a lot of people." But at the same time, I am who I am. I can't mm-hmm. dim myself uh, because to make somebody else feel comfortable, you know. And, and even when I was there, I realized I wrote my first children's book while I was at this organization, and it, it, again, it just. It just really showed just my ambition and how driven and, and, and passionate I was about, you know, I am about the topic and, and who I am. So you, that could very well have something to do with just my uh, my level of achievement. Maybe it didn't sit well with others. But for me, that's very that's very unfortunate, because rather than looking at everything I've accomplished and feel threatened by it, you want to say, hey, I want to have this person on my team, someone who is com- who's, who's very passionate about our mission and our vision, who can contribute 
greatly to what we're doing here. So instead of holding someone back uh, in, in that way, how about you bring this person to to uh, to even take your your team further or add even greater value to what you already have and, and, and work together? That's what I would do, you know, in, in that situation. I would seek out the smartest people, the ones who are smarter than me, you know, who are capable of doing something that I, I don't I'm not really sharp with. So to me, it's just it, it, if that's really part of it, it just shows I, I guess just um, just how just just the the, the level of insecurity mm-hmm. and how uh, you know other people may see things. Right. Well, you know, with, with bullies often and um, people that are asserting themselves over other people, usually there's some insecurity that they have that they're trying to deal with. Um, because there's there's also two sides of it. There's the the person who is doing the bullying and getting to the root of why is this behavior okay? Why do you think this behavior is okay? And most of the time it's, it's insecurities. Um, It's some sort of depression. It's some unresolved issue that they may or may be dealing with currently or may have never dealt with. And the way that they compensate for it is uh, asserting themselves over others because then they get some fulfillment from that. Um, I've, I've seen that kind of thing firsthand, but, you know, especially like with uh, a lot of women that I've talked to uh, that are in the professional environment um, who seek out education and they do other things outside of their job, their, their actual job in the office, and they continue to do their jobs. They, they go through the same thing where there's somebody that is just trying to prevent them from growing anymore. And oftentimes it starts resulting in this type of behavior where there's intimidation at work or there's this isolation at work. There's a singling out in meetings or trying to embarrass the person, making them feel bad. And all of that is a form of bullying that people don't often realize, right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. Um, trying to, uh, humiliate someone or like you said, single them out is a form of bullying. You know, bullying comes in so many different shapes and forms that, you know, people tend to overlook it. But luckily for me, you know, again, starting at such a young age, just being very sensitive to people's feelings and behavior and how we interact with one another. It's almost as if it's like I was prepared for this role. You know, it's like it was just innate in me to just be able to recognize what appropriate behavior is and, 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 and what's not and how people should be treated. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it, it is really interesting when you when you start thinking about, you know, um, how people do things and then why they do them. Um, yes. So when you, when you start thinking about that and you start talking about the workplace and I guess moving past that, how do you how do you start moving past it? Uh, let's say if you can't leave, if you don't have the ability to um, to leave the, the job and the environment is not one that when you do actually speak up and use your voice and not remain silent, that they're not really helping the situation. What do you do? You know, this is a very tricky one because with my personal experience and others I know, it's if you when you find yourself in a situation like that, when you can't leave, it's like then you you have to 
you have to you, you have to fight. You have to do what's necessary. Continue to bring your your concerns, your complaints. Keep taking it higher until the issue is addressed. If you if you're not able to leave, because if you're going to be there, the least you can do is try to make it better, try to resolve the issue. You know, rather than staying silent, it's almost as like it's a silent killer. I I, I don't. I don't recommend anyone to be in an unhealthy environment and stay silent. It's it's definitely you have no chance of making it better. So you're better off, you know, fighting, uh, bringing your concerns to the necessary uh, individuals who, who who will take you seriously than to remain silent. Because if you do that, then you, again you have no chance of uh, having the problem resolved. And you know, I. I it's unfortunate for, for people who are, who have to stay in that situation, because for me, um, luckily after sharing with my family, just thinking about it and saying, Hey, you know, it's come to that point where I think I need to make this decision. And luckily I have a very supportive, uh, husband and family where they pretty much understood, like, I, I hear you, you know, uh, it, it was, it was not healthy for me to stay in a place where, I just felt that my growth was stunted or I couldn't, you know, contribute anymore. There was no room for me to excel. And so it was, it was internally, that was going to be like torture, especially as an overachiever, you know, like myself, I want to reach my maximum potential. So to remain in a place where I wasn't going to be able to do so would have been very hard for me to be my best self. So luckily I was able to remove myself from that environment and now look and see how I can help those who are in that situation from the outside. So again, if you're in that situation and you cannot get out, then you still have to fight to make it get better. You can't stay silent because you, then if you do, you have no chance of making it better. Right. Now, what kind of, what kind of things um, like self-care things can somebody do, you know, as we're wrapping it up to, I guess, help them deal with the situation if the situation's necessarily not getting better, what kind of things can they do to, to keep some balance? Check in with yourself, you know, um, always be just in tune with how you're feeling. Um, identify why you're feeling that way, where it's coming from and just talk to friends, uh, professionals, if you, if you can, if you, you want to seek therapy, counseling, um, you, there, there are services out there, especially for work-related issues, where you can speak to a, a, a clinician who can guide you through these feelings that you're experiencing or, these, or, um, or uh, the physical symptoms that you're experiencing. But you definitely want to not overlook the feeling that you're having, whether it's physical or, uh, or mental, you want to stay in tune and just, um, recognize what's going on and just, uh, have an open line of communication. Don't try to solve the issue by yourself. Don't try to, to, to feel that, Oh, no one is going to understand me. I'm an adult. I should be able to figure this out on my own. No, be open to talking about it because by, by talking about it, you will get the support and the feedback that, that you need to be able to go through it. No, absolutely. Um, so your two books, um, the, uh, and I just, I was looking at it and I swear, I was like, wait a minute, where did I write that down at? <laughs> a bully on the school bus. And Sophia writes to her bully. 
when did you publish when did you publish those? Okay, so A Bully in the School Bus was um, published September 2016, actually. And then uh, Sophia Writes for Bully was 2017. Okay, cool. And uh, where can people find those books at? They're available on Amazon online and Barnes & Noble. So um, definitely check them out. Uh, you, can, you can purchase them there online. Again, Barnes & Noble and Amazon online. Nice, nice. And what's the best way for people to kind of find you online? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook um, at Dr. Mildred Payton or uh, at Bullion Expert. You can definitely find me on social media. There, there you go. That'll work. So, even, hey, there's good stuff on social media. Go check out her stuff. There's a lot of positive stuff in your feed. And uh, that was like the first thing I looked at <laughs> when we first started talking. I'm like, oh, let me go back and let's take a look at this at this social media feed. And there's so much good stuff there. Um, yeah. I think it's just important that if you have negative stuff in your environment to keep positive stuff coming in. Yes. And, you know, all too often in, in the workplace and in school and, you know, wherever environment you're in, there's going to be that there's there's this there's bullying all over the place. I mean, yes. currently in our even in our politics, no matter what politic, you know, no matter where you fall in the realm of politics, you you see it every day. So, yes. I mean, you, you see it on TV, you hear it on the news, you see it in social media. Um, it is everywhere. And I think that it's important to have some type of just like daily self-care ritual that you do to kind of remove yourself from the environment. And um, so definitely uh, make make Dr. Payton's social, especially her Instagram, one of those things that you do to see that there's something on the other side. Cause I, I really, I've, I've enjoyed going through your Instagram and the positive messages and seeing the stuff that you're doing. And I think that it's a, a testament to, Hey, just because something happens to you, it doesn't define who you are. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so Dr. Payton, I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. This has been an interesting conversation. Thank you very much. I really appreciate being here with you, Vernon. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Take care. All right. So this was an amazing episode with Dr. Mildred Payton. Uh, we, we covered a lot of stuff, talking about bullying and um, some workplace stuff, stuff that people don't usually talk about. And, you know, it's the thing where if you're ambitious and you're really going after it, how that can sometimes hinder you. And uh, sometimes people aren't comfortable with what you're doing or how you're going about it. And not necessarily that you're going about it in a bad way. It's just the fact that you're ambitious. And sometimes that makes people who aren't that ambitious, uh, especially when it comes to education. So you will, you know, have those organizations where if you're highly educated and you have management who doesn't have the same level of education, sometimes they're intimidated and maybe thinking that, that you may overtake them as far as positions are concerned or that you um, maybe you feel superior to them, even if it's not the case. And so they lash out. Um, that happened, I believe, in Dr. Payton's uh, circumstance. And you may have had that kind of thing happen in your own life. So it, it is really interesting when you look at bullying as a whole and how it can play into not just school environments, but work environments as well. And the things that you can do to protect yourself against it 
And uh, ultimately, you may end up having to leave that environment for a more supportive environment uh, because they are out there where you can actually thrive as a professional. Uh, it's not all about side hustles and quitting your job to go do your own thing. Sometimes you just really want to be happy in the thing that you're doing, in the career that you have, and excel at it without having to deal with people who can't deal with your having success in that workplace. Very interesting stuff. Really did enjoy it. Make sure to check out Dr. Payton, um, Dr. Mildred Payton. Dot com. You can find her on Twitter. Everything is going to be in the show notes. I really do appreciate you guys listening. Uh, make sure to check me out at Ross PR pretty much everywhere on Instagram, on Twitter, my most active site. You can find me at Vern Ross on Facebook. And uh, definitely make sure to check out the show notes and get all the good stuff there. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.